Hello, and welcome to Church at the Bridge. Thank you for tuning in to our weekly sermon podcast. Today is week three of our current series, Frequency. The title of today's message is Value the Voice of God. We hope you enjoy the word. Today, we're going to be digging in to the series that we've been in over the last several weeks. And I promise to be concise. I just really want to just get to the word of God. Let me ask you all a question. How many value the ability to listen? You value the ability to listen in your life. It's important to you, right? Hearing is important to you, right? But I want you to consider this question as we get started here. How important is the voice of God to you? Let me put that to you another way. How important, how valuable is what God says, his instruction, his wisdom, his presence, his relationship, his purposes? How important, how valuable is that in your life? Now, think about this. Over the last several weeks, we've been on this series talking about frequency, tuning into the voice of God. And one of the things that we've been looking at is that you can hear God. Now, I know for some of us, that might sound a little weird. You might go, you can hear God. I've never heard God. But I want you to consider the scriptures because my task here is not to give you my opinion. Please don't leave here saying, Jose said. Please don't leave here with uh, being that person that says, because pastor said, this is the truth. No, 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 no. I want us to consider the scriptures. In Psalm 19, verses 1 through 4, it says that the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship, how he does things, how he creates, how he operates. Verse 2 says, day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. I want you to consider that all creation is a proclamation by God for one purpose, to make himself known. Now, some of us might remember it. Some of us might not. I know I certainly don't. But, or maybe you've experienced it with your own children or a child, where you get to the point that you consider the skies or you look at the trees and you say to yourself, where did this come from? How did this all come about? See, each and every one of us get there. And that, my friends, is an introduction But the truth is this, that to know God and to hear God, it takes proximity. It takes relationship. It takes leaning in and listening. And so John chapter 10 verse 4 bears this out more through the words of Jesus where Jesus says, when he has brought out all his own, he's referring to himself as a shepherd in relation to sheep. And he says, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him. But watch why. Because they know his voice. As I said, hearing takes proximity. Let me put it to you this way. I might know your name, but that doesn't mean I know you. You can know someone's name. You can even know where they live. You might even know how many children they have. You might know details of their life, but that does not mean you know them. And so you see, to listen to God takes more than just acknowledging God. It takes more than just saying, I believe in God. It takes more than just going to church or reading a Bible or praying. Let me tell you why. Think of it this way. If you had a friendship, and this is your best friend, 
But the, 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 this relationship is based on everything they tell you. In other words, they talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk some more, but you never get a chance to talk. How would that relationship work? It wouldn't, right? Oh, come on now. Did I come to the wrong church today? Listen, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't be a relationship. There would be no value in that. And what we do with religious activity is we pray to God. We read the Bible. We go to church. We even sing some spiritual songs. We even do some spiritual things. We even play the spiritual part. But the question is this. Do we ever take time to listen to what God is saying? See, that takes more than religion. That takes relationship. And that's what Jesus is talking about. He says, they follow me because they hear my voice. And so the issue with if you hear God has nothing to do with if he speaks. It's really about if we will seek and get to know God in a personal way where we can hear his direction. So have you ever considered what you value in life? And have you ever considered why you value it? See, we all have values. We value people. We value opinions. We value possessions. We value activities. We value accomplishments. We value all these other things that happen in life. But the question is, do they return an investment on the value that you uh, uh, place on it? So for some people, we value the opinions of people because somehow they make us feel like we have an identity. They give us something that fills us. For others, we place value on possessions because we draw a sense of worth by what we accumulate, what we accomplish over time. And then for others, we place a value on the things we do because they give us a sense of purpose and fulfillment. The point is that everyone has values because everyone values something. But the question is, does it bring you a return? And if it did... Is it enough? Think about this. We value friendships and we seek them. We pursue them. We incorporate them into our lives and that's great. But how come we have the need to have friends around all the time? Can I tell you why? Because no matter how much you have in friendship, it's never enough. No no matter how much you ever have in possessions, it's never enough. No matter how much you have in terms of wealth or, or, or the accolades of people or degrees or, or, or things you're involved in, it's never enough. We're always seeking and that value is never enough. Which leads us to today's topic. And I want to encourage you with this simple thought. Value the voice of God. Value what God has to say to your life. For some of us, we'll walk away from that. Because we value something else. Because we value something more. And so I want to encourage you with this simple thought that we should value the voice of God. Psalm 19 verses 9 through 11 puts it this way. It says, reverence for the Lord is pure. That word pure there in the Hebrew speaks of completion. It speaks of something whole and complete. And so it says, reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. 
Think about this. People come and go. Possessions come and go. Things come and go. The things we accomplish come and go. All that loses its luster. But the one thing that does not is what God says. That's what God says. And so think about this. If you're seeking gold, here's what God says. His word is more valuable than that gold. If you're seeking honey from the comb, so to speak, his word is sweeter than the honey you can get. In other words, it exceeds the value of whatever that thing is that we pursue. And there's a deception in that. There's a deception in the value. Consider the words of Jesus in Luke 12, verses 13 through 21. Now, let me give you some context, some backdrop here for what's happening. Jesus, wherever he went, he taught. He sat among people, he broke bread with them, and he did miraculous things. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, here's the one thing that we can't deny, that he existed and that history tells us that this man did great things. We can't deny that, whether you believe in it or not. We can't deny his track history that he performed miracles. And we can't deny that the, that the tomb was empty, whether you believe he rose or he didn't. And so there's, that, that, that's a whole other deal. But anyway, I want you to consider this, that Jesus is talking to people here. And everywhere that he went, when he taught, it added value to the lives of people. It did something. It healed the blind. It opened the ears of the deaf. It changed hearts. It raised the dead to life. It brought transformation. And so in this context, listen to what happens. While Jesus is teaching, verse 13 of Luke 12 tells us that someone called from the crowd. Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. And Jesus replied, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things? Is it that? And then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. He's speaking about a strong desire here. He says, life is not measured by how much you own. Now let's weigh that in light of what we value. Are we drawing value from things that we've done? That people say, accomplishments we have, accolades of people, whatever that is. Jesus says, beware, beware, guard against that, that desire, that strong desire. He says, because your life is not measured by what you do and what you possess. He says, then he told them a story, a parable. And this is simply to simplify and make practical the truth that he's trying to convey here from the kingdom of God. He says, a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. So everything he was doing was working. It was good. It looked good. It was producing fruit. It was adding value. And he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. And then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, ah, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you'll die this very night then who will get everything you worked for? Listen to these closing words of Jesus. He says, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. 
a rich relationship. Now, earthly wealth here is not simply talking about money. When you think about what's valuable to you, I guarantee you that for most of us, our mind goes to money and what we can do with money. That's valuable. We build our lives around that. I'll prove it to you. How many of you can tell me when your next paycheck is? Don't shout that out. Don't tell on yourself. How many of you have a budget? See what I mean? We value money. We value it. But what Jesus is bearing out here is not that there's anything wrong with these things. Notice that this man had a wealth of these crops. And they were fine crops. They were good crops. He was increasing. Nothing wrong with that. But what was wrong was not what he had, but what had him. What had his heart? What had his focus, his attention? And so get this. Jesus responds with this parable in response to this man's interruption. Because Jesus is teaching. And in the midst of this, something's happening in the lives of people. There's value being added. And this man goes, <coughs> excuse me, Mr. Jesus, uh, could you tell my brother to give me what's rightfully mine according to the laws, the portion of the estate that belongs to me? And Jesus' response tells us something. He's teaching us all something, not just this man. It's this. That this man valued whatever that was. In his case, it was possessions. It was money. It was what was left to him above what was truly important because Jesus was sharing truth. And wherever Jesus spoke, it changed lives. It brought value. It brought value. The point here is simply this, that only a rich relationship with God will bring value to your life. And notice how that rich relationship begins. This guy's interrupting Jesus, and Jesus is saying, listen, you're so consumed with that in your heart. It rings so loud, so true in your heart. You are convinced that this is all you need. But you're missing what I'm teaching you. You need to hear God. You need a rich relationship with God. And so here's a good question to consider. Will you listen to God? More importantly, will you ascribe the proper and due value to God's voice, to his word? Right now, right here in this moment, will you make a decision? And, and it's not a moment that, that stays here. It's a moment that transcends into our daily lives. It goes far beyond religious monotony. It goes far beyond the traditions of men. We're talking about a deep and personal relationship with God based on dependence and the truth that he reveals to us through his word. And so the Bible gives us an example through the account of a guy named Jehoshaphat. This guy was king in Judah for more than 25 years. The thing about it is that Jehoshaphat was a successful king. This guy was one who was, his life was marked with much blessing. And this guy went on to secure the borders of Israel. He went on to play a big part in redirecting the hearts and lives of people back to God and that which was right and true. And he had great victories along the way. But the source of all his success, the root 
of all the fruit that he had that marked his life had nothing to do with his title, had nothing to do with what he did, had nothing to do with his accolades, had nothing to do with the people that followed him. Jehoshaphat, a study of his life will reveal this, that Jehoshaphat valued what God said above all. It was more valuable than anything that life could offer. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And what we see in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 is that uh, the back story here is that uh, Jehoshaphat is king. He's been king for a while now. And a group of people that were in subject uh, to the people of Israel at that time called the Moabites, they decide we're going to rebel against the king. We're going to rebel against Israel. We're going to break free from these people. And so the Moabites go to the Ammonites, and they go to these, all these other ites. I won't go through all these names. And they go and they say, listen, you don't like Israel, and I don't like Israel, and we don't believe in their God, and you don't believe in them. Why don't we all gather together, and let's just take them over. And so watch what happens in Second Chronicles chapter 20. And I want you to pay close attention to Jehoshaphat's response in the midst of this. After this, verse 1, after this, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the uh, Melonites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom. From the other side of the Dead Sea, it is already in, um, in Hazazon Tamar, that is in En Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have... They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. But now, here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came out of Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See now how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. But our eyes are on you. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and the little ones stood before the Lord. Verse 14, then the spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Beniah, the son of Jael, the son of Madaniah, a Levite, and a descendant of Asaph, and he stood in the assembly. And he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. Listen. You know what's interesting? I just kind of said that word for emphasis, and for some of you, here's what you did. You lifted your eyes, you took your eyes off the screen off your phone, off your Bible, and you pointed your direction. I want you to see what God's intent was here. He says, listen, 
Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz. And you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your possessions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Verse 18. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. I don't have time to dig into the rest of this, but I want to give you some give you an idea of what's happening here. Jehoshaphat finds himself in a situation like you and I. We've all found a difficult situation where we felt like everything was swarming against us at once. And here's what Jehoshaphat does. He panics. He panics. But in the midst of that panic, Jehoshaphat turns the volume down on his panic, on his worries, on the story that he's creating in himself. You know what I'm talking about, right? How you wake up not feeling good and you go, oh, man, today's going to be a bad day. And when I get to the office, I guarantee you all this extra paperwork they're going to dump on me. And my kids need this and this and that. And, and we begin to unravel this story in our mind. And you know what we do in response to that? We live it. We create it. We do it. And so Jehoshaphat finds himself in the midst of panic, and then all of a sudden he gets wise. The Bible tells us that he turns to the Lord. And so he calls all the people and says, come on, guys, everybody, get all the people together, and we're going to seek God. And we have recorded here his prayer before God and the people. And he prays, but what's interesting about Jehoshaphat is this, that he doesn't stop at his prayer. Jehoshaphat goes a step further. He listens. He listens for what God has to say. Can I submit to you something that while you turn to God, or maybe you don't believe, maybe you've turned to God at one time, have you ever considered the value of stopping, stopping the noise in your life? Bringing down the noise on your worries, on your concerns, on this or that. And taking a dedicated moment to actually listen to what God has to say. It would add value to your life. My point is simply this. That Jehoshaphat listened to God's voice in that moment. And he won on the battlefield. But you got to understand something. That Jehoshaphat, he had a history of increasing the value of God's voice in his life. And so for the last few moments that I have here, I want to draw your attention to 2 Chronicles chapter 17, which is an introduction, a chronicle of sorts, that introduces us to Jehoshaphat and summarizes very briefly his reign as king. Turn with me to 2 Chronicles uh, 17 because it gives us insight into his life through the early years when he first became king. In 2 Chronicles 17, 3 through 5, we read this. It says that the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the ways of his father David before him. He did not consult the Baals. That simply means this. He did not worship foreign gods. He did not follow uh, uh, what was the norm in those days. And so it says he did not consult the Baals but sought the God of his father and followed his commands rather than the practices of Israel. 
the Lord established the kingdom under his control. And all Judah brought gifts to Jehoshaphat so that he had great wealth and honor. What we see here is this, that Jehoshaphat started his reign. And for the entirety of his reign, he was a successful king. He was blessed. He was provided for. He ruled well. But the source of it was his upbringing. It was his history. And what was his history? Jehoshaphat was inclined to seek God and hear from God. He valued what God had to say. When he began his reign as king, he did, not, he, he did not do what many did in his day. He did not consult the Baals, the foreign gods. He did not practice sorcery. He did not worship pagan gods. As a result, what we see is that he experienced great value in his life. But watch this. He also added value to the entire kingdom, to the lives of people. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 puts it this way. It says, we must pay the most careful attention. In other words, it's beyond hearing. It's beyond hearing. It's beyond, well, yeah, you know, I read the Bible today. It's beyond, yeah, that was a good sermon today. It's beyond, yeah, I did this for God today. It's so much more. Watch what he says. He says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. You ever been in one of those conversations where you drift away? No, certainly none of you, but you ever been in one of those conversations with someone where you're talking to them and all of a sudden their eyes glaze over and they're like in Aruba somewhere on a beach, right, enjoying the sun and you're just kind of like, you're not even listening to me, right? I remember years ago, this was many years ago, um, I remember this specifically because I was in crutches that day. Um, but uh, I was in crutches. I had hurt my leg. That was, that's a whole other story. And a friend of ours, uh, some friends of ours, invited us and a few other people to go out with them on their boat. And so they brought out their jet skis and the tubes and all that. And we went out uh, to some body of water somewhere. And we were out there, and our kids were a lot younger. And uh, I remember saying to my kids, listen, you can go in the water, but I don't want you too far from the boat. You need to stay close to the boat. You get on the jet ski, they're pulling you on the tube. It, you, it needs to be around here. I don't want you guys going anywhere too far. So it was like, yes, daddy, okay, no problem. And so they were there. So me, because I was in crutches, I had a horrible day. I sat on a bow, laid out in the sun, had people bring me bottles of water, feed me. Right? What a bad day, right? Now I was out on the bow, and I was chilling, man. I was relaxing. I was having a great day. I was enjoying the sun and listening to the breeze and going, you know, rocking with the waves. And, you know, if you're like me, I kind of was just dozing off. And in the background, I could hear friends and family, my wife and other people. And we just all talk. They're talking. They're laughing. Music's playing. People are eating. It was a great day. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm startled as I wake up because our, my, our friend John says to his wife, Miriam, didn't you drop the anchor like I told you? And I woke up, and as, I, as I'm startled, and the first thing that I take note of is that my kids are way out there. And in my head, I'm saying, I'm going to kill these two because they didn't listen. The problem wasn't that they drifted. The problem was that no one paid attention to what was happening. No one paid attention to the fact that while the anchor was supposed to be down, we never dropped it. 
My point with that is simply this. I want you to consider this, that we can all drift away if we don't pay attention. And I want you to see what God says in his word. He says we must pay the most careful attention. Now, when you think about careful, that talks about preciseness. That talks about intent. That talks about something that we do with, with decisively. We're committed to it. And God says, we must pay the most careful attention. Watch this. Not to our desires. Not to what we accumulate. Not to all the other things that give us value that never add value to our life because we have to continue to seek them, pursue them. No, he says we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we've heard so that we do not drift away. Now, I want to show you something here. Notice that it isn't God that drifts away. We do the drifting. We drift. We drift. And if you know anything about the scriptures, what you'll see is that while you're drifting, Jesus promised this. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will always be with you till the end of the age. So even while you're drifting, it's not that God left you. It's that you're not aware anymore. It's that we're not sensitive to his voice. We're not sensitive to his truth. We're not sensitive to his plans. And so what we see here is this, that Jehoshaphat was unwilling to compromise. He was not willing to compromise the voice of God. And you know why? Because he was unwilling to drift from the very thing that was the source of all fruitfulness in his life. We should be careful not to compromise. So there's, there's, a, there's a warning here that we should heed. See, compromise begins slowly. You're not even aware. Oh, it's just one little thing. Oh, God understands. Oh, you know, I'm a good person. Oh, I do good things. But the question is, are we compromising the truth that God adds to our life and its value? And so here's the heed, here's the warning. We should pay attention before we end up drifting and far gone to a place we never thought nor ever desired to be in. Listen to the voice of God. The second thing that we see here as we're wrapping up is that uh, Jehoshaphat, he tore down the altars and restored worship unto God. Let me, let me tell you what I'm talking about there. Second Chronicles 17.6 says this, His heart was devoted to the ways of the Lord. Notice that this is not passive. This is not casual. There's, there, there's true heart and intention there. It says that his heart was devoted to the ways of the Lord. Furthermore, he removed the high places and the Asherah poles from Judah. So what you might not know is this. That back in those days, the gods that they worshipped, they would build these huge poles. They would carve them, and people would bring sacrifices, and they would pour blood on them and all these things. And so this became common practice among the people of Israel. After all, if everybody's doing it, if CNN says it, and MSNBC says it, and Fox says it, and these people say it, and it's on the internet, and it's trending, then it must be true. If everybody else says it's right, then it must be right. That's what was happening in Israel. And so Jehoshaphat takes over as king, and the first thing that he does is he removes that which is louder and holds a, holds a higher place in value than the voice of God. 
he strips it, he tears it down. You know, we got to think about what do we esteem and what we value most? Could it be is that that's what we worship? You know, where you are today is indicative of one thing. The results we're getting today in life are indicative of one thing, who we've been listening to. You struggle with your self-worth, who you've been listening to. Because God says that you are beloved. God says that you're righteous, that you're holy, that you're above reproach. That's what, it's, that's what the word says. God says that you are the apple of his eye in the book of Isaiah. God says that. And so listen to the words of Jesus in Luke 16, 13 through 15. He says, no one can serve two masters. See, you're either serving one or the other. Something You're serving something. You're seeking something. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and, in this context, money. It says, the Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. Here's what that looked like. Oh, Jesus, please. You just don't understand my situation. You don't understand how important this is to me. You just don't understand how valuable all these things are in my life. They're sneering. They're grumbling. They're mumbling. They're coming up with their excuses. And verse 15 says that he said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others. In other words, what you do, you do so that you can appear the way you appear before people. Notice the value system that they had. But watch what he says. But God knows your hearts. God knows where you are. God sees where you are. And he goes on to say, what people value highly is detestable in God's sight. It's detestable. In other words, you place that value on it. But is it truly valuable? Is it truly what you need? Listen, our belief and trust Our heart was never meant to be divided. You cannot multitask faith. You can't multitask it. You can't multitask a relationship with God. It's not Jesus and my money. It's not Jesus and, and and, and as a matter of fact, if we're honest with ourselves, if you've been there like I have, it's not even Jesus first. It's my money and Jesus. It's my home and Jesus. It's my friendships and Jesus. It's my desires and then there's some Jesus. You can't sprinkle some Jesus and think that it's going to come out the way it's supposed to. Jesus says you can't serve two masters. You either trust and seek me. You either value the, all that I bring into your life or you, you're not valuing it at all. There's no in between here. There's no gray area. It's God. It's the value of his voice or not at all. And the last thing we see here is this. It's that Jehoshaphat prioritized the instruction of God's word. I want you to see what 2 Chronicles 17, 7 through 10 says. It says, in the third year of his reign, he sent his officials, Ben-Hael, Obadiah, Zechariah, Nathaniel, Micaiah, and Aya, 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 Aya. I'm not going to bore you with all these names. Right? Verse 9 says, that he commissioned all these people and 
And they taught throughout Judah. They went throughout the kingdom, taking with them the book of the law of the Lord. Watch what happens. They went around to all the towns of Judah, and they taught the people. The fear of the Lord fell on all the kingdoms of the land surrounding Judah, so that they they did not go to war against Jehoshaphat. When Jehoshaphat became king, there were many pressing matters that required his attention. There were multiple priorities. There was the safety in the kingdom. There was the securing of the borders. There was understanding the state of the people and the nation and who were their enemies. There was revisions of the laws and all these projects that had to take place. And notice what the priority was for Jehoshaphat. There was none of them. He becomes king, and one of the first things he does, the first thing he does after tearing down the altars. After turning to the Lord, he says, make sure that everyone understands the value of God's voice. Make sure that they know God and they know his purposes. See, the key is not to prioritize what's on your schedule. You know why? Because in that case, all we'll do is just set God as a priority among priorities. So the, the key is not to prioritize what's on your schedule. The key is to schedule your priorities. Let me ask you a question today as we're wrapping up here. Because we all have priorities. And we all organize them by importance. Is God at the top of that list? Look, there's no condemnation and no judgment in that. This is not one of those, when our aim here is not to beat you up so that you can feel so bad and you go, man, I, I really got to get back to church. That's not the goal here. Listen. Listen to what the scriptures are showing us. You can hear God. And God wants you to know his purposes and his plans. God wants you to see the direction that he has for your life. God wants to be intimate with you. He desires rich relationship. But for that to happen, it requires an active response. It requires a heart inclined to God that says, I'll listen to your voice and I'll prioritize you above all. I get it. We all have got multiple priorities. See, it's not about the amount of time that you spend in prayer. Because prayer in this day and age is a one-sided conversation. God, let me just give you my laundry list. God, let me just tell you what's on my heart. When in reality, God desires communication, relationship. He wants us equally to come eagerly as we do in prayer, to come equally as eager to Him with a heart that's willing to hear and incline to the truth revealed in His Word. So it's not about reading the Bible in one year. It's not about how often you go to church and how much Christian acrobatics you do. It's not about being a good person. It has nothing to do with that. It's about in this moment, in this time, in this space of my life, during my day, I prioritize God and I turn down the noise on everything else. I'll leave you with some examples as we close here. Moses was a man of great success in his life. 
Jesus accomplished the miracle, the miraculous, and left a great mark in this world. And David was a great king, renowned till this day and anointed by God. But I want you to see why. Exodus 24:4 tells us about Moses. Then Moses carefully wrote down all the Lord's instructions. He took care to note what God was speaking to him. It says, early the next morning, Moses got up and built an altar at the front of, at the foot of the mountain. He also set up 12 pillars, each one, uh, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Listen about Jesus. It says in Mark 1.35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And David in Psalm 5.3, listen to his heart's cry. He says, in the morning, O oh Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will prepare a prayer and a sacrifice for you and watch and wait for you to speak to my heart. To speak to my heart. What's the common thread here? What's the point of all this? It's not necessarily the time of day, although we do see specific time of day here. As much as it is, What's first in that moment? You can prioritize God in your car. You can prioritize God in the midst of your problems. You can prioritize God in the midst of your marriage. You can prioritize God in the midst of the challenges you face with your children. You can prioritize God in the midst of the decisions and the choices that are mounting up against you. You can prioritize God and what we see according to the scriptures is this. That when you face those battles... It's not yours to fight. When you listen to God first and you prioritize his voice and his precepts and his truths, above all, what you'll find is that he enacts the victory for you. Ladies and gentlemen, as we stand here today and close, I want you to see this simple truth. There's a personal invitation from God. He says... You can hear me, and I'm speaking to you. The question is this, will you respond with an active response? Will your response be, God, I'm listening to you. I'm prioritizing you. You're most important. Jesus put it this way. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he says, and watch this. All these things, all these things that weigh you down, all these things that you're concerned with, all these things that preoccupy your mind and your heart and your cares, all these worries, all these things shall be added to you if you'll prioritize the kingdom first. I believe that Today, we've had the opportunity to consider God's word and to hear his voice through the truths that he reveals in his word. Are you listening? I believe according to scripture, the scripture says that faith, it comes by hearing, but that hearing, hearing comes by his word. And the scriptures declare that his word is like a double-edged sword that it pierces to the dividing asunder of our soul, our mind, and our spirit. It clarifies it and says, and it discerns the thoughts and intents of our heart. Today, God has spoken into our lives. Mine too. I want to encourage you right there where you are to just take a moment.
And ask yourself, where am I? What's my response? Am I listening? Am I open to God? If you're not, that you can acknowledge that, man, you need God today. That you've been missing a valuable resource in your life, His voice, His truth, His wisdom, His strength, His power, all simply by what He's trying to tell you and I. And today's the day to simply say, God, I'm letting go of that so that I can listen to you. Father, we thank you today for the truth of your word. Today we come to you with open hearts, open minds, not putting emphasis or value on something else, but Lord, simply understanding that your word is most valuable, that it's more precious than precious and fine gold, that it's sweeter than the sweetest honey on a honeycomb. It exceeds all that we value. Today we thank you and we worship you. We respond to you. We incline our hearts to you. It's very possible that today or maybe even online as you're watching, that there's somebody here and you've never valued God. It's never really factored into your life. It's never been, it's never held a place of importance. But today you say, man, I need God. When God saw that the world was deficient and stuck in sin, here's what the scripture says, that God so loved the world that he gave his own son. Watch what God did. He invested his best so that we could have his best. He added value to the entire world. That whoever believes in his name shall have eternal life. See, relationship with God isn't about what you add to yourself or improving upon the version of your old self. It's about literally embracing the value that God brings to your life. And when God saw that the world was in sin, he said, I see their sin, and I recognize that they can't pay the price for it, and there's no way out for them. So here's my master plan. I will become like one of them. I will pay the price for sin for them so that they no longer have a debt to pay. I absolve them of the guilt and the shame. And from this day forward, I accept them as my own. If today you believe that and you say, God, I'll take that payment. That payment without receipt. God, today I accept that and I believe that. Then from this day forward, you can hear God. And you can discover your best life. You can know the wisdom of God. If you believe that with us, let's join together in this simple prayer. Join us as we pray. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died and you rose again because you love me. And today I declare that you're my Lord. You're my Savior. You're my God. And you are most valuable in my life. And from this day forward... I'm trusting you, I'm seeking you, and I'm listening to your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that for the very first time and you believe that in your heart, we celebrate what God is doing in your life. Don't leave here without sharing with us what God has done. Now, Father, thank you for the truth in your word. We thank you for Jesus, and we're open to your voice. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. Have a great weekend. We'll see you again next Sunday.